The Mercy Podcast is part of the Electronic Voice Phenomenon Strand for Liverpool Biennial 2012. It is produced by Mercy in partnership with Liverpool Biennial. For more information and to sign up for updates, visit biennial.com or mercyonline.co.uk forward slash podcast. Hello, this is the Mercy Podcast. I'm going to be joining you every Friday for the next 11 weeks, bringing you my own sideways and probably highly subjective take on Liverpool Biennial. I'll be joined each week by a crop of artists and writers who we think are excellent, as well as playing a selection of records suggested by our in-house musical expert, Andrew Ellis. Think of us as a weird auditory hallucination chasing you around the festival. Or as a secret peephole you can peer through to get a glimpse of what's happening, if you're not going to make it to the city to see the biennial for yourself. I'm Vanessa Bartlett, I'm a writer, producer and a biennial veteran. I think I've seen every biennial since they started in 1999, but I know that that doesn't make me an expert. I'd really like you to tweet me on at Vanessa Bartlett to let me know what you think we should be looking at and covering each week. This week we're focusing on the programme of work that Mercy are doing for Liverpool Biennial and their chosen theme of electronic voice phenomenon. I'm going to bring you sounds from Mercy's recent gig at Cafe Otto coverage of a work by a legendary performance artist Ron Athey and last but certainly not least uh, a brief excerpt of an interview with the American poet and founder of UbuWeb, Kenneth Goldsmith. You're probably really familiar with those dodgy daytime TV shows where spiritualists try and capture the voice of ghosts and spirits on dodgy looking tape recorders that seem like they've come from Argos. I'm a huge fan of those kinds of shows, mainly because I love the idea that technology and technological innovation can connect us to another world, to a spirit realm that we can't see and touch in our everyday lives. And this slightly wacky idea isn't without its historical context. Thomas Edison, the inventor of the telephone, was a devoted spiritualist, as were his parents. And when he died in the 1930s, it's rumoured that he was working on something called his telephone to the dead, a device that would supposedly allow him to use technology to, well, give people a ring even after they were dead. The first voice is that of Margarete Petrowski. After her passing, the experimenter asked her how she felt in the beyond, and a voice, identified as coming from Margarete, answered, Bedenke, ich bin. Bedenke, ich bin, or imagine, I am. Apparently, Margarete hadn't believed in the spirit world while she was alive. And this recording indicates her surprise at being able to communicate with a researcher using electronic impulses. The recording is taken from the work of Constantin Radiv, 
a parapsychologist who was one of the first people to record spirit voices in the 1970s. He called his work an investigation into EVP, or electronic voice phenomenon. In another recording, the experimenter remarks that people do not believe in life after death, and the voice answers, So sind sie. German. That's how they are. Whatever you think about the believability of these clips, you can't deny their influence on popular culture. Horror movies such as Poltergeist feature spirits convulsing their way through television screens in order to carry messages to unsuspecting middle-class white Americans. I remain sceptical about the idea of life after death, but I am fascinated with the human preoccupation for channeling spirit voices. In May this year, Mercy held a pack gig at Café Otto in Dalston, which showcased some new work that they commissioned on the electronic voice phenomenon theme. The gig was intended as a little bit of a trailblazer for work that Mercy are going to be doing during the biennial this year. Uh, if you don't know already, the EVP weekend for, for the biennial will take place between the 5th and the 7th of October. It will feature talks and performances and workshops. And on the Saturday evening, there'll be a show featuring world premieres from sound artist Scanner and New York-based producer Fatima Al-Qatari. So I think if that isn't in your biennial diary already, then uh, it probably really should be. I'm going to play you a few little tasters from the gig at Cafe Otto, just to kind of whet your appetite for stuff that's coming up during the biennial. So the first piece that you're going to hear is by Stephen Fowler and Ben Morris, and they're using tape loops and contact mics to bring out uh, kind of terrifying otherworldly sounds of endurance through their performance. This is a piece by Nathan Jones. Uh, you're hearing his voice emerging from a noisy conflict with interference and background sound. Um, and the background sound on this piece was made by Tom Smith. But to be beautiful and speak of paradise. We take hold of each other. This level of happiness is the one that you cannot invent. Although it's the one we write and speak of constantly. 
To finish, I'm just going to play you a couple of minutes of a piece by Ross Sutherland from that EVP event at Cafe Otto. For a second, I'd be blind. It hurts. I try to make a word, but I can't. Even my body language is completely unconvincing. And I'm not trying to play a game with you here. I just want you to recognize the fact that I've practiced this routines, this grief, the things that I've memorized. I'm not trying to score points. It's not the pain, but the posturing. That's the first thing that runs around my head when I hear that my granddad has died instead of the wisdom imparted by my family. I feel sick. The sickness, if you follow me, is something that Hollywood has taught me. It transports me for a fee to a place off screen where a fresh script is waiting. But the truth is we can't take photos of death. Death has no shape, just a smell. And to look upon the kingdom is to look upon a fiction. I can't say heaven without sounding like a tool. A gold key turning in a lock. Blood rushing into their heads, sleep tight, sweet prince. Now you belong to the library. Ever since the pharaohs, the dead get a guidebook. And we've sprayed those words on the high walls. Effed our way into custody. Begged the city for another day. Always trying to cleanse with a fantasy. Born and raised as a dribbler, it's just how we marked our territory. Caught between the story of the hero and the victim. Both of songs that can put you on your feet, both lead eventually to a broken neck but the song carries on just in a different key don't worry he's gone to a better place really why greet the boatman with open palm and tokens fervent with directions to someone else's heaven why greet my granddad at the gates of a world that isn't mine because you see if i'm gonna see him later then i have to build a place to put him in that i can define so if you're willing take a minute and sit right there on the chair he used to rock me to sleep in a chair when my dreams were replaced by the television always same time same channel me waking to find our new script backwards him recast as every single character please recreate every letter that you wrote me recreate the reasons that you wrote them too i want to picture you before the world hardened when you could move like i did not like this obviously i can't move like this but one dance on your slippers for all the times i missed it and I'll fight off every angel. I'll pull the plug on heaven. Let it gurgle down the drain. I'll hide you in stories that my grandma told when I was sick. Who cares about the truth? Her license was to entertain. And so, for a second, forgetting my age, if I could find a single point in time that I could loop you in until I die, then I would choose four years old outside the Odeon on South Clark Street, both of us about to see a ghost for the first time. There is no better place this is the place. Ross Sutherland there. 
describing childhood memories of his now dead grandfather using old VHS tapes that he used to watch as a child. The piece was called Standby for Tape Backup and included a lot of Ross using looped footage from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to try and make contact with his dead granddad. I should also say that the music that's been playing underneath this segment while I've been talking is Anat Ben David's final song from her set at Café Otto. Now, Ross Sutherland isn't the only artist I've come across who's interested in using ideas around spirit channeling to think about his own personal history. In March this year, American performance artist Ron Athey took part in Fierce Festival in Birmingham with a performance of his called Gifts of the Spirit Automatic Writing. At the heart of this piece of work are Ron's own memoirs, which he wrote about growing up in a Christian ministry, where he had some of his own experiences of learning to channel spirits through various Christian rituals, such as speaking in tongues. When I saw that Fierce Festival were advertising for people to take part in the performance, I jumped at the chance. Ron was inviting performers to respond to the initial impetus of his memoir and to help channel and reconfigure it to make a new text. I caught up with Ron amid a busy rehearsal for his show that evening and asked him to explain to me a little bit more about how this process works. Gifts of the Spirit, story one. I had a dream in which I spewed ectoplasm. I opened my mouth and a manifesto poured out. At first I didn't know to whom, then I realized it was he, the one I had levitated with from an earlier dream that caused my life to change. It it sort of seems to me that this performance is essentially like a a human writing machine. You start off with this original text, which is your text, and it kind of gets translated through this long process. The writing part is is the part that takes on a life of its own. Of the four story tags that are read that they write off of, they are cut away and brought to typists. So six typists then take the 16 writers and then the typed pages are taken by editors who cut it apart with scissors and restructure it and then it's read by vocalists. Gifts of the Spirit, story number two. Throughout the course of my religious training, I encountered many great prophets, faith healers, mystics and saviors of souls. In church, I would close my eyes and absorb the rambling vibrations given off from the gift of tongues mixed in with the sounds of foot stomping and bodies hitting the floor hard as they went out in the spirit. The original text is your memoir. Can you tell me a little bit about writing that? So when did you start writing it? Yes, when I I was raised to be a Pentecostal minister and practiced all these ecstatic gifts, psychic practices, spiritualist church origin. When I left home and was in the real world, I'd still get overexcited and start speaking in tongues, and I still was visionary (laughs) and I thought what does it mean to not believe in this and yet still have it inside my body inside my nervous system so I started writing gifts of the spirit when I was 18 and I always hit a wall while I was writing it it became distorted painful when I started this piece I had no idea what I was doing that I was basically taking the beginning of four chapters of it and giving it to a collective unconscious As individual fragments of Ron's memoir are passed through this human writing machine, the idea emerges that they're being collectively reworked and reconfigured by a collective human unconscious. I chatted to some of the other participants as we were waiting to go on stage, and they seemed to be having varying levels of psychological and spiritual engagement with the task that they were about to perform. 
So the role of a typewriter then, it's more about copying rather than making a new kind of text, so you're just kind of uh, channeling something. Uh, yes and no. I think there's still an, an, an element of creative input because some of the stuff can be quite difficult to read or um, maybe a little bit um, illegible, so you have to think, okay, what were they trying to say or what are they saying or or then you have kind of creative licence in that. You're connected to their consciousness as well as... As well as um, editing it too. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Rather than it being um, a receiver, it's like a trans transistor, in a so it's changing the energy. It's actually taking something that's very raw Absolutely. and potentially refining that to then pass on the further. I should be love to you it is evil wish i could be one of with the same being this with you it feels like i hate you with my whole soul acceptance and communion you, you slowly and perhaps you're not completely conscious of it to start with become attuned to each other in some sort of way that collective unconscious idea i guess emerges over the process of that time i have been judged born again his name in the same spirit Speak to your word, you are damned. Divinity smite and reverence. And when the final text gets read out at the end, do you ever find yourself spotting little bits that you think you might have typed up? You think you might spot it, but then it's like, well, because there's six of us all together, then it could have been somebody else writing exactly the same thing. And that's quite exciting as well to think, oh, was that that? Or was it actually that consciousness? Like, everybody together, all of a sudden, is starting to write the same thing. of the performance there's a kind of a crescendo where you're speaking in tongues there's an Pentecostal interpretation of the Bible Moses parted the Red Sea and they get to the other side all the women start screaming in tongues something sometimes can be articulated from those phonetics so again it's another kind of coded language you free up your own language centers, which allows for then spirits to kind of come through.
So you just heard the tail end of Ron Athey's performance, Gifts of the Spirit, Automatic Writing, which was on at Fierce Festival in March this year. After that, I played you Edwin Birdsong's track from 1979, Cola Bottle Baby, which was quite infamously sampled by Daft Punk in 2001 on their track Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. I play that song because I think sampling is probably a really interesting example of the way our relationship with technology has changed over the past 50 years. Far from using transistor radios to try and contact the dead, we're now able to contact each other at the push of a button. We're able to traverse great distances without having to leave our desk or armchair and to regurgitate and reuse information that's been communicated to us from somebody who might be thousands of miles away. There are people who think that technology's continuing encroachment into every area of our lives means that we're a society that's becoming more emotionally distant from one another. Mainstream Hollywood cinema paints apocalyptic pictures of what might happen when technology is not only able to talk back to us, but also develops its own emotional sensitivity You'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen modern-day Frankenstein movies like AI, for example. In spite of this kind of dystopianism, we are a society that ultimately loves to celebrate technology and to celebrate its impact on all areas of artistic and cultural production. In his recent book on creative writing, American poet Kenneth Goldsmith examined the impact of the internet on contemporary poetry. Kenneth is known for his practice of appropriative writing. He's taken texts from pages of the New York Times and from radio weather reports and used it in his poetry. So it's not surprising that he's asking about the future of contemporary writing in an age of textual and digital abundance offered by the internet. When Kenneth came to the UK earlier this year to take part in the AV Festival, we sent Mercy's Nathan Jones off to chat to him about the impact that technology may have on the future of contemporary poetic writing. My new collection of essays called Uncreative Writing from Columbia University Press. And I end the book with a little afterword about a proposed robo-poetics, whereby machines write poetry for other machines. Uh, thereby ba- bypassing the human altogether, which is actually, I think, the, the final place that this is, is headed. I mean, Christian Book says that, that in the future, poets will not be able to be called a poet if they don't know certain computing languages. So the, the, the poet that can write the best computer program or, or, or viral program will actually be, be the best poet. You've got, a, uh, you've got a, a phenomenon called the Internet of Things, whereby there are more IP addresses now registered to machines uh, on the Internet than there are to humans. That was a watershed in two, August of 2010. And what, what are those machines doing online? Well, they're talking to other machines, okay? And they're spewing what's called dark data, which is you know, a ton of data that, that is ephemeral and, 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 and uh, machinic, uh, but nonetheless is made of, uh, comprised of alphanumeric language because all binary computer systems are indeed composed and comprised of that uh, from which Shakespeare wrought his sonnets. Kenneth Goldsmith seems to be proposing a new kind of language manifesting out of the ether of technology. 
but it's a far cry from spirit voices coming from beyond the grave. It's more of a suggestion that from within the utilitarian languages of digital technologies, we may find a hidden poetics or another kind of electronic voice phenomenon. Next week, we'll be taking a wider look at this year's biennial theme of hospitality. I'll have a chat with some members of the biennial curatorial team, and I'll also go for a stroll around the Olympic Park with artists who've been making work about the impact of that particular cultural event on their local communities. Meantime, if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so by Twitter at, at Vanessa Bartlett. And if you are giving us a mention, please use the biennial hashtag biennial2012. And if you have enjoyed this edition, please do tell your friends. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>